This podcast is intended solely for educational purposes and presents information of a general nature. It is not intended to guide or determine any specific individual situation and persons should consult qualified professionals before taking specific action. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not those of Milliman. Hello and welcome to Critical Point, brought to you by Milliman. I'm Anders Larson, and I'll be your host today. In this episode of Critical Point, we're going to be talking about blockchain and starting a series of podcasts on blockchain and potential applications in insurance. Today, we really just want to start with an introduction to blockchain. So no insurance applications today, just getting to know blockchain. Uh, we think Milliman has a unique perspective on this, specifically as it relates to insurance. Um, we work with all stakeholders in the insurance industry. We also have experts uh, from the technology space, so I think we can kind of come at this from uh, a unique perspective. So today we're here with Shea Parks, principal at Milliman, um, and we'll just get right into it. Um, I, I'm coming from this as a perspective of somebody who does not know a lot about blockchain, so we'll just start with the basics. Shea, what is blockchain? Let's get, we'll get out of the abstract and talk about what, what people mean when they say blockchain. Well, people mean all sorts of things when they say blockchain, and really they're all true. Um, when you when you get down to like a definition of it, it's it's an algorithm, it's an idea, it's a data structure, it's a, a tool to support other technologies, and, and, and really it, it's it's all of those things. Um, you know, if you want to trace it all the way back, there was it was first an idea, and it was a um, idea published. Um, by an anonymous author. Um, you can go look up like the original blockchain and um, Bitcoin article and learn a little bit about it there. But yeah, so it's, it's everything from an idea to a data structure. Yeah, and for me and probably for a lot of our audience, it is kind of this idea and you hear Bitcoin and that tied together. And we, I want to get into all that today of, of how that actually relates to each other. But let's start with kind of the basics of a blockchain. What is stored on a blockchain. Okay, so most blockchains right now are used for cryptocurrencies um, like Bitcoin and, and other ones. And so the, the classic blockchain algorithm, what's stored on it is just a series of transactions. So each transaction is, hey, user A sends two Bitcoins to user B, and then user E sends five Bitcoins to user W and just this long, long history of who's sending Bitcoins to whom. And what it's often used for is you just sort of take that long history, roll it up. Um, there is an, an inception, there's a way to get a few Bitcoins at the beginning and along the way. And you can use it to figure out how many Bitcoins all of these anonymous users have. And that's, I said Bitcoins, which I'm gonna catch myself a few times here because we're, we're really talking about blockchain which is a technology, a tool, a data structure behind cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. But when it's really hard to sort of talk about a blockchain without dragging up some of that baggage that comes with um, Bitcoins and cryptocurrency. So at its base, it's a, a log, a transaction log of, of movements of assets. 
And again, just to make this point, it's critical it is a chain of transactions. It's not a group of unique individual transactions. You have to have the whole chain. Yeah, it's the whole chain. Yeah, there's an ordered list of it. Yeah, so you can see the, the exact order that everything happened. And that way, it, the, the part of the algorithm actually does make sure that, you know, Anders, if, if you're representing user A and you only have five Bitcoins, you can't send six or seven Bitcoins to someone else. Like those transactions would have been rejected from the chain because there is an order to them. So you can figure out, you know, account balances at any given time or more importantly, ownership. You know, if you're, if you're you know, leaving behind cryptocurrency, there's this abstract asset or something and who's owning it at any given time. There's one unique owner um, at any given time. So you mentioned it's, it's mainly just the information, the log. It's got a sort of special structure. It's got like, what exactly, other than the chaining, is the, what makes it special? Uh, well, probably the most special part of it is the pure distributed nature of it. Um, there is no single source of truth. There's no authority that you can go and say, how many Bitcoins do I have or something like that. It is distributed across a lot of equal peers. Um, so there's not a few people with full control. It's, you know, these hundreds in a, in, a, in a robust blockchain like Bitcoin. You've got hundreds, thousands, just tons of people participating. And um, they all are agreeing on the truth. There is no one you can go appeal to or argue with. The, the algorithm is the law. Um, and it's also... It's not good to call something not hackable, but there are strong defenses built into a, a robust blockchain that make it almost impossible to change history. Um, so there's no central authority, and it's really hard to change history, um, but anybody, more or less anybody, can participate. Mm. Those are sort of those real sort of strong characteristics yep. of the blockchain algorithm. So sort of coming back to cryptocurrency, and let's just say Bitcoin, because I think that's what primarily most people know of when they think of crypt cryptocurrencies. What makes this such a good fit, and why, why is it so interrelated to cryptocurrencies? Right. Um, I think part of it is that it's really good at tracking a ledger of the ownership of something. And when that ownership is a made-up currency... It's a really, really nice fit there because you don't have to have anyone else involved to sort of prove that ownership or anything. Um, that blockchain, that list of transfers from those users, that's all that's needed. There's, there's nothing else. Like, I can purely prove I have so many Bitcoins just based by that transaction history out there. And the other was sort of an ideological goal of Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies that they, they didn't want to report to a central bank or a government or anything. They wanted, they wanted this currency that was outside of control of almost all current control figures. Mm -hmm. um, and the blockchain algorithm let them get there. Um, but it's, it's really hard to get a whole ragtag group of not misfits, but ragtag group of people you generally don't trust. Like, when, you know, people participating in the block, Bitcoin blockchain, they participate by donating their computing resources and such. Um, they don't actually trust anyone else on the network. Uh, they don't trust anyone else uh, working with Bitcoins. And so how do you make an algorithm that people can trust in the algorithm while they're not trusting any of their peers? And that's some of the 
you know, real sort of breakthrough in the blockchain algorithm. So there's no Bitcoin honor code. No. Oh, no, no. There's no Bitcoin honor code. Like, yeah, if, if you mess up or if someone gets to your secret keys and takes all your money, there is no power to appeal to. That money is gone. All right. So let's talk about I, one of the terms I've heard, heard bandied about related to that topic is immutability. Yeah, so immutability, it's a, uh, it's a term and a concept a lot from computer science. It means kind of like... Um, read only or write once is in like once that transaction has been recorded you can't change it um, the transaction is frozen in history like all that so that concept of freezing unchangeable um, it's sort of summed up in the term immutable that the transaction log of, of a blockchain is immutable which is actually kind of hard to get to uh, and especially it's not hard to get to when there's sort of a central authority if you trust that authority that's sort of the issue of the whole blockchain and cryptocurrency was which central authorities do you trust? Right. Whereas this is, hey, I want to just trust the algorithm. So how do I come up with an algorithm that I can trust that once a transaction is accepted, you can never change the transaction um, and you for a certain definition of you. Yeah. So I think we, I think you know, as we were talking about this, preparing for the show, a lot of this has to do with. The, the chaining nature, but then there were some kind of what you described as math problems or, um, you know, kind of puzzles. puzzles that have to be solved and they have to be solved sequentially in order for the chain to be essentially, and sort of for that immutability not to work. Could you maybe kind of start us from scratch about uh, sure. so the, Bitcoin? You know, how yeah, so in? blockchain is actually a very... Um, blunt name. It, blockchain is a data structure that is a chain of blocks. Um, each block is, is pretty dull, actually. It's just a series of transactions of, you know, I said, you know, two coins from A to user A to user B, five coins here and there, yonder. That's the transactions that go into a block. Now, you can participate in a blockchain in a few different ways. You can actually be running the computer resources yourself I mean, you can have all this transaction log on either a physical computer or a virtual computer that you're in control of. Or you can have someone else running it, and you're actually just sort of, we'll talk a minute here, maybe about how you interact with it that way. But let's pretend you're running it yourself. Well, then you're participating in this web of a blockchain, and you're saying, hey, we want to agree on what the next block will be. So we have people participating, sort of submit what transactions they've heard about, maybe Anders is both participating in that he has some block coin or bitcoins and he's running the bitcoin blockchain software on his laptop or something he's not but he could well not his his personal laptop What's yes. that? Yeah, all of this should apply to your own company duas don't well i think we're we think we're safe there we think we're safe there um but he could be running the block participating in the the bitcoin blockchain network on his personal laptop he could be putting in his request for a, a transaction to happen um once those requests sort of get bundled up for a certain time window-ish, then the whole world starts racing to solve a math puzzle. And we can talk more about that math puzzle because it is a pretty important part to understand those math puzzles and how they might apply in other cases. But for now, think of it as a math puzzle that you really just have to brute force. So pick it's going to have to be like a number between one and a billion. And when you pass it through this formula, the shuffly formula, the answer needs to be less than a thousand. So it's a brute force puzzle. 
it takes you know maybe a minute to try a number to see if it works um, and maybe only one number in a million or one number in a billion actually work so everyone around the world's kind of trying to compute this puzzle they're all guessing numbers they're called mining they're trying to figure out what number solves this puzzle and as soon as they solve this puzzle they announce to everyone else and then we go like you know hey I found it I found it and sometimes, well, first of all, they found that puzzle. Everyone else can verify that their solution worked. Because, you know, it's not so hard to verify it that one time to right. run the number through. It's harder instead to find those num one in a million numbers, right? So everyone can verify it. So those transactions get bundled into a block. That becomes the next block in the chain. And the person who contributed that block and solved the puzzle, in the classic Bitcoin implementation of blockchain, they might get a Bitcoin sometimes for adding the next block. So that's one place those Bitcoins can sort of have an inception point. But what you think you asked rightfully is, what does all this have to do with immutability? Right. Well, immutability means I can't go back and change history. Um, and so what's going here? So those histories are in blocks that happened an hour ago or a day ago or a week ago. So if I go back and change, if I want to change a transaction that happened like a week ago. You want to steal it and say, I paid you instead of I paid. Or it's more simply like, hey, I transferred Anders. I went, let's say I'm A and Anders is B. I transferred 10 Bitcoins to Anders and he gave me a car. I got the car. Now I drove away. Now I want to go back and change the history to where I never actually gave the Bitcoins to Anders. So then I end up with a car and the Bitcoins. That would be a malicious actor in this scenario. It would be. Um, well, I can go back and, and change that transaction, that block, but that changes the puzzle. So I need to resolve that puzzle. But then the chain part of the blocks is that each puzzle for each block also depends on the answer to the puzzle in the last block. So I change the puzzle for the block from a week ago when I paid Anders for that car. I have to resolve it, but just on my own. The rest of the world's not trying to help me here. Just me trying to solve this new puzzle. Then I have to solve the puzzle for the next block. Then I have to solve the puzzle for the next block. And everything up through current, because one neat thing is the world, like the algorithm consensus is they believe the longest chain. And so I've changed something in the past. I've got to somehow get my chain longer than the global world chain. And I'm really going to lose. Because the rest of the world is still contributing and chasing and racing these puzzles. And I'm not going to have enough compute resources to solve puzzles faster than the world. So my chain will never catch up with the world chain. It'll blow, blow me away. Um, and so that's part of the immutability are these sort of puzzles that are out there that I can't solve puzzles faster than the world. Right. And that's why, you know, as we talked about this at the beginning, it sort of started to crystallize a little bit for me uh, was that the chaining nature, and that's why it's so critical that this log is not a bunch of individual transactions that could just be sorted in whatever order. It's that the chain nature is critical to the immutability because it has to be in that order. Mm -hmm. And then the puzzling having to be solved in that order is what provides the immutability and really the safety from hacking. Yeah. And, I mean, there is a risk that if some malicious entity physically bought two-thirds of the computing power in the world, then they could race and, and rewrite history. But that is thus far 
not played out, although there are some funny things that happen um, in the weird economics of custom-built hardware and things that have come close. But for the most part, for the most part, no one's able to beat the world. Um, and so that's the protection. That's how the classic cryptocurrency blockchains get their immutability and how people trust in the algorithm instead of trusting in their bank, even though you know, banks offer things um, niceties as well. We're not in any way, shape, or form saying that you should take your money. Yeah, this is not a suggestion to take your money out of a bank and go buy a bunch of bitcoins. Uh, talk to your financial advisors. Talk to your financial. This is just an explanation of why the system has been working and, and what its goals were. Because yes. its goal was they they wanted to make it to where there was no central authority um, to chase these bitcoins yeah. or to or well. Cryptocurrencies, no central authority to control these cryptocurrencies. So I think, you know, we talked a lot about cryptocurrencies today. We talked a lot about Bitcoin in particular, but I think I think it's helpful to understand how blockchain how blockchains work in the real world as we then transition into some of our future episodes, potentially to applications in insurance, um, which maybe are not immediately apparent from what we've discussed today but i think the foundations hopefully we've laid so that if you've listened to this episode you can come into the next episode and we can start talking about how this transitions to potentially the insurance industry yeah um i mean one thing we left off here was uh you know again don't take your money out of a bank but if you did want to buy something like a bitcoin how you know what what's the mechanism and again, you, you can run the software yourself and maybe occasionally earn a Bitcoin for solving puzzles. In all honesty, you're not going to win very many because there's a lot of people out there on most of the popular cryptocurrencies doing this. Um, usually what would happen is you would have to give a real world, like real world, I guess it is a Bitcoin, is a cryptocurrency a real world asset? I don't know. Is a dollar a real world asset? I don't know. Those are kind of deep questions. Let's just say you have to convince someone that has Bitcoins that you give them something like a car or maybe, you know, transfer them some money via PayPal or something right? and convince them to put a transaction into the blockchain of Bitcoin that moves some of their Bitcoins to you for some definition of you, which that's a whole nother topic of a, another podcast probably is how do we know who each other are on a blockchain? Because that becomes really, really important in the purpose of any sort of application of insurance or otherwise. Okay, so to kind of start wrapping up, um, let's say people want to learn more. Um, you know, again, not necessarily advising, getting into the, the Bitcoin world, but if you just want to learn more about blockchain, learn more about Bitcoin, what are some resources for people out there? All right, well, you can you can definitely you know, internet searches your friend. Lots of great topics out there. You can you can find the original article. Um, it's a highly technical article. You know, my favorite resource that sort of really helped me understand the data structure and the algorithm was a um, book known as Blockchain Basics by Daniel Drescher. It was a non-technical introduction in 25 steps. I felt it did a, a really good job of laying out the goals of blockchain, how those goals align with cryptocurrency, and but still addressing the blockchain independent of cryptocurrencies. And it um, also does a good job of explaining you know, what what was this breakthrough? Um, what what was blockchain specifically? Yeah, and I think you know this this podcast today, our first episode, 
um, really been about blockchain specifically. We have talked a lot about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in particular. We know that you know Milliman, our focus a lot of times is primarily on insurance, and we want to get this back to the insurance focus, but we thought it was really critical to have this primer um, to kind of get everybody up to speed on what blockchain is so that we can kind of dive deeper into potential applications in the insurance industry. Yeah, or existing applications. There are actually already some out there. Right. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shay Parks, uh, for talking with us today. You've been listening to Critical Point, presented by Milliman. To listen to other episodes of our podcast, visit us at milliman.com, where you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll see you next time.